This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, some of our college students at McMaster University are graduating this spring. When they were in first year, uh, we started a Bible study there. Uh, we booked a room in uh, their main library, and each week I would go and uh, we'd do it together. And when they uh, got into second year, they moved into a house altogether. And so uh, I would go weekly, visit them, and we had a Bible study. And that is until the pandemic hit. And then for two years, they're just at home or back and forth. Um, and it went by. So the other week, about a week and a half ago, I visited them uh, to reflect on their journey that they went through in their undergrad years. It was really nice and so nice to be together with them and connecting and sharing. During these past four years, they've been through many things. Relationships, conflicts, ups and downs with school, uh, and the pandemic for half of their undergraduate life. Many things happened on the outside, but the real change and growth happened inside of them. In fact, as many of you may know, during the pandemic, especially for our students, there's nothing really going on on the outside. They're just at home every day. But inside of them, they went through so much change and growth. You know, what happened on the inside, it's not really visible to us. But it's just as real. And perhaps more significant than what happened on the outside. What happened on the inside defines who they really are. All of us experience many things on the surface of our lives, and that is real. But there's a lot that goes on inside of us too, and that is just as real. But they had a little more difficulty articulating what happened to them on the inside. Even though what happens on the inside is just as real and perhaps more significant, than what happens on the outside, it's more difficult right, to describe and articulate what happens on the inside because we can't really see it and we don't really notice it. Right? We go day to day in this world without really seeing or noticing what's going on inside of us. But there's a tight correlation between what happens on the outside and what happens on the inside. What happens on the outside affects what happens on the inside. And who we are on the inside affects what we do on the outside and how we approach what happens on the outside. I mean, the only thing is we often don't see this correlation because we can't really see well what is happening on the inside. The inside is where the seat of our soul resides. That's where our spirit is. So what happens inside of us is spiritual. And so spirituality relates to what is going on inside of us. It is just as real. Our spirituality is affected by what happens on the outside. And it shapes what we do or how we approach what happens. But because we are unaware of what's going on inside our spirituality is often quite limited. So it's an unending journey because our 
insight into the inside is kind of limited. There's many things that happen on the outside. Some things we choose, you know, we decide what to eat, what to wear, whom to meet. But many things in life happen to us without us planning for it. We don't plan on getting into conflicts with those we live with and work with. Maybe some of you do. But uh, we don't plan on bad or unexpected things happening to us. So much of life is beyond our control and so many things just happen to us. Yes, there's many good things that happen to us and for that uh, they bring us joy, they bring us happiness and contentment. But We all know that there are also many things in life that leave their marks on us. Even long after these things have passed, the effects of those things remain with us. When bad or unexpected things happen, inside of us we get wounded or hurt or become fearful. I mean, at a given moment, there might be nothing going on. Everything might seem peaceful on the surface. But because of these things that have happened, there are still these remaining things inside of us. We can lack peace because of that. There's many words to describe the manifestation of what remains. Words like anger, trauma, depression, fear, worries, numbness, and many more. What remains from these bad things that happen to us is suffering. Suffering that takes the form of all these different kind of words I described. We often think of suffering as what is happening to me on the outside at that moment. So, yes, like the world this week was very shocked and grieved at the way civilians were just killed in Bukha, Ukraine. Some found with their hands bound and marks of torture that, that they experienced. They indeed suffered before they died. But suffering is also about what happens inside of us even after the events have passed. The families of those who were killed will continue to suffer from grief, anger, and confusion for a long time to come, even though the event has passed. Suffering from past experiences remain inside of us. And we're often unaware of the suffering that resides in us. Suffering is a fact of life. But how we respond to our suffering is the most important thing. One way or the other, our whole lives, in a way, are a response to our suffering within us. Our fears, our traumas and wounds can control us and di dictate our thoughts and actions. Or the suffering inside of us can give us new purpose and new perspective. As we've heard, today is Passion Sunday. Passion means suffering. On Passion Sunday, we remember the suffering of Jesus. 
We know that Jesus suffered physically when he was beaten and crucified on the cross. But his suffering was much deeper than that too. His real suffering took place inside of his soul. You know, during Jesus' earthly life, Jesus was filled with the Spirit and he experienced deep intimacy and connection with God. He was in tune with God's will to love and heal others. And people felt that and responded to it. People started flocking to him, gravitating to him, to be healed, to experience a kind of love and grace they had not experienced before. But his acts of love and healing became threatening to the ruling leaders because they benefited from a system that was hurting a lot of people whom Jesus was ministering to. And by Jesus healing them and speaking a message of hope to them, that was almost kind of threatening to the ruling authorities. Because Jesus' teachings and actions were implicating these leaders. And so instead of changing hearts, people's hearts became hardened. His actions only aroused more and more opposition. I mean, as we, it was so nice to see the kids coming on Palm Sunday. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, his followers believed that they were kind of marching in toward victory. And real change would come. But somehow Jesus knew that this was a journey toward conflict, rejection, and death. Knowing all of this, Jesus suffered from fear, pain, and heaviness in his heart. He was racked with grief. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he expressed to his closest disciples the depths of his inner torment. He said this, I am deeply grieved even unto death. I mean, have you ever been grieved to the point of death? He began to pray. He begged God to not to make him go through what he saw coming. He begged God to take away his suffering. Luke records the intensity of his prayer in this way. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. Even after all this intense prayer, Jesus heard nothing but silence. In his greatest hour of anguish, God did not answer. In his greatest hour of need, his friends whom he asked to, to remain awake for support fell asleep. In his greatest agony, Jesus was all alone. Hanging on the cross, Jesus expressed his deep sense of abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Today's psalm describes well the suffering of Jesus. It reflects what he was probably praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye wastes away from grief, my soul and body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my misery and my bones waste away. I am the scorn of all my adversaries, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. If people were running away from Jesus, I have passed out of mind like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel, someone who is no longer needed and discarded. For I hear the whispering of many, terror all around, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. Jesus knew what was coming for him in Jerusalem. The gift of the Psalms is that they give words to the universal laments of the human heart. They are expressions of human suffering in our hearts. Jesus suffered the suffering of the human heart. But how he responded to his suffering is very revealing. Jesus heard nothing but silence from God. But this was his response. My father, if this cannot pass until unless I drink it, your will be done. Your will be done. Jesus' response to suffering was faith. This is the confession of the psalmist after articulating distress. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Jesus' suffering was overwhelming. But inside of him was something even more powerful than that. It was his faith. Instead of letting the fear and grief dictate his actions, instead of escaping and running away from his suffering, he took on his suffering with faith. Even after feeling forsaken by God, Jesus died with faith in God. Faith is not something we can see on the outside. Faith is not saying the right words in front of others. It's not demonstrating it with religious actions. Faith is what resides inside of us. Up on the cross, Jesus' faith unto death revealed his true identity. It revealed the power of his faith over suffering. A centurion standing near Jesus saw them this and saw him for who he really was. Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was God's son. When faith is in us, 
It is a force more powerful than the pain, fear, and wounds we receive from the bad things that happen to us. Faith is the power that frees us from the grip that our suffering has over us. The power of the cross is the power of faith over suffering. This is the power that St. Paul discovered in Christ. He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful in you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For you are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. We are weak. Yes, our faith is weak. But that little faith, even the size of a mustard seed, is the power to see God at work in your life. Through faith, suffering reveals God's presence. Through faith, suffering is the opportunity to meet and experience God. Faith unlocks God's power in your life. So when you're facing great difficulty, when you are suffering, don't seek to escape it or run away from it. Seek faith. Faith is not something we just accumulate ourselves. Faith is a gift from God. It is a gift that God gives us to have power to overcome these things in life. Our own faith is weak, but God gives it to those who ask. The more we get to know Christ in our Christian journey, the more we will become like him in our own sufferings. We will develop the faith that Jesus had. Seek out this gift of faith even more earnestly when you are going through your own difficulties. As we remember the suffering of Jesus on Passion Sunday, we ask for the faith that he had. This faith will unlock God's power in your life. And your suffering will be the gateway to new and powerful ways of experiencing life. I pray for this faith and this power in all of us. Let us sing together.